Welcome to the Stephen Van Wy Audio Experience. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Van Wy, a performer, composer, conductor, teacher, content creator, and entrepreneur. On this podcast, I'll be bringing over three decades of professional music experience in the music industry with close to 10,000 live music performances, talking about what it takes to thrive creatively, professionally, and financially as a musician. You're going to find a mix of interviews with other musicians, segments from my public speaking series, casual conversations, and my own current thoughts about all things about music creation and the music business. So if you're a musician and want to accelerate your career growth and make more money doing what you love, this is a great place to get lots of free, no BS content on how to do that. If you're an avid music lover, then sit back and relax because you're going to hear a lot of behind the scenes stuff that most people won't let you in on. Now let's get started. Today I want to debunk a myth that really bothers me. I'm very passionate about debunking this myth and that is the struggling artist myth. I think we've all heard this. The idea that if you were an artist, if you were being true to yourself, if you were producing good art, you are going to be poor. You know, I remember, you know, my parents asking me, my dad asking me when I got my degree in music, well, now what are you going to do? Is there even jobs out there for you? And of course I looked at him and I'm like, yeah, there are, I'm going to be fine. But so many people tell their kids or tell themselves To be an artist, you're going to be poor. You just have to accept it. Now, many artists, including myself, go into the world of creating art, not for money, but the passion of creating the art, the joy and the love of making music, making visual art, being a dancer, whatever that art is, you go into it because you have to. There's something innate inside you that says, I've got to make this art or I'm going to be really unhappy. It's not because, oh, I want a big payday. You know, that's not why you start out making the art, right? For me, it was really young. I just made music. I was not even conscious of it. I was just doing it. And I I see later, you know, pictures of me as a kid, you know, where I was holding a guitar, playing with my mom. I didn't even know how to play the guitar, but I was sure trying. And I was over at the piano and writing down, you know, sketching notes. I didn't know how to write notes, but I was surely trying to write a song on the piano. And I just grew up knowing I loved music and I had to play instruments. There was, I was just driven to make it. And I think that's, you know, a true artist just has that innate need to make art. Right. And then the money, the money piece comes later, but what happens is society tells us and parents tell us that there's no jobs for you. You're going to be poor. Don't do that. I mean, I've got stories of people that I've worked with or colleagues or friends I went to school with, you know, where their parents said, don't do that. Be a doctor, be a dentist, be a lawyer, do art for fun, do it on the side, do it for your own, you know, avocation as a hobby, but you're going to have a hard life if you're a musician and an artist. And I just wanted to debunk that because really we could say that about any career, any career. You could say 
to someone who wants to be a lawyer. Well, there's so many lawyers out there. You'll never be able to be a lawyer. How can you even compete? Are you smart enough? Are you good enough? How are you going to get clients? You could go through that whole negative lack mindset really for any career. And really that's where I want to start is the lack mindset that fuels this myth and how we have to change that and make it an abundant mindset, right? So abundance as a musician is possible, right? We must start believing and thinking and then taking action, having a systematic path to making money and not only doing it for the love of it, but actually make a very good living doing it, right? And this, this idea that money and art don't go together is totally false, right? Um, think about all of the great art that has ever been created that, that we, the, the main public knows about, right? It's always been funded by patrons or donors or investors, someone who has money that says, I want to pay for this so this art can be created. I want to give it to the orchestra. I want to give it to the opera house. I want to pay this visual artist. It's always backed by money. Therefore, they, they are compatible. They do go together. And there is no reason why the artist itself cannot have an abundant career making the art. Also, the idea that somehow money being involved makes the art less good or less true to itself. That's completely a sham to think that way. The art and the money have no relation to the quality of one or the other, right? We all recognize bad art. We know when it's bad right? And we, we just sense it and we know when art's good. And often the money part had nothing to do with that. We just know that the, there's an intuitive sense for like, that is a great song, whether or not it made a ton of money or not, or, you know, Van Gogh's work. Let me, let me talk about Van Gogh for a second. You know, he was one of the greatest examples about the starving artist myth, right? In some circles, you know, we talk about that art is good and it has to be unpopular to be good, right? And that if if it's popular, then somehow it's bad, right? Like I'll come back to Van Gogh. Now I'm thinking about Hollywood here, so I'll come back to Van Gogh. But how often do we hear from Hollywood or like the music industry, like this, the idea that the artist was good until they went mainstream. So like an independent artist had more artistry, right? They're somehow better because they're independent and lesser known then and they're more true to themselves than a mainstream artist right the mainstream artist gets the big payday so their art is bad right i mean i've had conversations with people about this many times i've seen articles about this and it's it just to me it seems like this common notion that somehow the independent artists are better well sometimes they're better but just because they're independent doesn't mean they're better maybe they're independent independent because their art isn't reaching people, right? And just because someone is mainstream doesn't mean their art is good or bad, right? So let me come back to Van Gogh now. You know, we, we know now that he had, you know, some mental health issues, you know, back in his day, they didn't really understand this. You know, he had depression, he died by suicide. And, you know, if he lived today, he would probably get help he needed. And like many of us would be, you know, had a therapist, maybe got on meds, had some kind of mental health program to help him with his depression and with his mental health issues. But he didn't, he didn't get that help. Right. And so a lot of his struggle was because he was isolated, right? Now, everybody 
would say, oh, well, he was such a good artist because of his depression. You know, he was crazy. And so his art was so amazing. Um, but really, when he was in his depression mode, he wasn't creating as much art as when he was feeling a little more normal. Right. So if we really dig deep into that, that's a total myth about who he was and the card, you know, the art he was creating. He sold only a few paintings while he was alive. Right. Some he traded for food or paint or necessities to live like rent. He created like around 900 paintings, I think. And he didn't make a lot of money doing it. These paintings, his work was made famous after his death. Right. And I think part of it has to do with this myth surrounding him. Obviously, his artwork is worthy of being famous and beloved and studying and enjoyed. But I think sometimes we tie in that myth and going, well, that's that's why it's so good, because he was insane, you know. But guess how much his paintings are worth now? Just let me stop here for a second and just take a guess. Like, what do you think, you know, if you were to go to an auction and wanted to buy one of his famous paintings what do you think they're worth 10 grand 50 grand 100 grand so his cheapest and i say cheapest painting is worth 15 million dollars right all the way up to his i think most expensive one is the portrait of dr paul gachet that was done like in 1890 or something like that that one is worth 152 million dollars that's in that's incredible right now it's really unfortunate he didn't get the reap reap the benefit of that while he was alive or even just be able to survive better right and have a more affluent life there were other colleagues of his that were doing quite well but he uh, with his struggle his mental health issues and taking his own life didn't live to see the day where the value of his art he could he could see that value and in, in terms of you know being paid but this romanticized you know the rd idea that the artist's life is filled with tragedy and poverty and depression you're poor while you're alive you're underappreciated and then you die and then you become famous and it does not have to be like this you know i'm here to say i'm passionate to say this is a complete bs obviously in some cases it's like that but to make it like that's the normal thing, that's how all artists are, I think is totally wrong. I think some of this comes from, you know, 20th century, especially, we get this idea, now stay with me here, we're going to go deep, that this in 20th century, there was this movement about creating art for art's sake, right? And I remember having long discussions in my grad school about this topic, reading books, reading articles, lots of heated debate, like, what is the purpose of art? Can you create art just for the sake of art or does it need to be for people or for a situation, a social setting? Love talking about that stuff, but there was this composer named Milton Babbitt who died in around 2011, I think it is. And in the, in the mid fifties, he wrote an article called who cares if you listen. And this article, who cares if you listen was super influential and caused lots of angry debate about the idea that there's this huge disparity and divide between a, what's called a serious composer and the audience right now. Milton Babbitt was also a teacher at a university. And so a lot of, there's a lot of research going on among artists and composers, not just creating art, but doing research about art. And, you know, he was looking at the idea that composers are writing music 
now during this time, you know, the mid 20th century, that was more philosophical, experimental, you know, challenging the definition of what is music. You know, they were doing spatial music, aleatory music, asymmetrical music, atonal music. So that, that kind of means like you can't hear the pulse or the beat. What we would know as a, as a beat in music, the rhythms are really unclear. It's, you know, like abstract. Okay. These are all ways of writing abstract music. And this challenged definition of music and it challenged audiences because audiences, when they listen to music, expect to hear and understand rhythms really clearly. And during this time, they were challenging that and writing all this music that to many people didn't sound like music. I remember playing a piece by Pierre Boulez to my brother. I said, what do you think? And it's atonal and spatial. And you couldn't hear the rhythms. You couldn't hear a beat. And he said, that's not music. He got really angry. He said, that's not music. And I was like, yeah, it's music. He's like, no, that is not music. And got really angry. Had a very emotional reaction to this kind of music. So this kind of made music composers unpopular. And so this discussion about popular versus what is art versus the value of it. And, you know, again, a lot of these composers who were writing this music during this time were at university. So they had a day job, which was teaching music, teaching composition, teaching theory. And so they had the freedom, I guess, to experiment much like a chemist or a physicist would and not worry about the audience or what the audience thought or how they were going to react. They were just doing art for art. And so their music wasn't well received by a lot of audiences. You know, they didn't like it. They didn't understand it. Performers didn't enjoy playing it. It took a lot of work to come to a sense of what is this all about? Right. And this is ends up isolating composers from the music community. I mean, the, the general public, you know, that means people aren't listening. People aren't enjoying this creative process and People aren't getting paid as much for this process of making music, right? So that's the article. Who cares if you listen to the point of, we need to do this. This is important for us as artists. Who cares what the what people think, right? And some of these ideas still exist. This idea that real art needs to be misunderstood by the masses or, you know, which means you don't get paid. <laughs> and then if it is understood, it's bad art. You know, and I don't agree to any of this. I think bad art is bad art and we all know it and we don't want it. And uh, plenty of mainstream music, you know, that is bad and cheap and vice versa. It goes both ways. We do recognize good art and money has nothing to do with this process, whether something is good or bad. This brings me to myth number two, which is that you should keep your art secret and hidden and let people discover you on their own versus artists using social media to share their art. So number two is artists should not use social media to share their art. I want to debunk this because we live in an era where you can share anything, including your art for free on social media. And this is an incredible gift, right? 20, 30 years ago, none of this existed. You had to use the old fashioned ways of networking, which was the handshake, the phone call, you know, before email, you had to know the right people, right? You had to work yourself in to the system and wait for someone to open that door for you. Well, now things have been totally flipped. You don't need a manager or an agent 
or some decision maker to get started. Those things are still important in a lot of ways, essential, but to get started, you don't need that. In fact, some people online, their careers totally blow up because all they did was post on Instagram and TikTok, Facebook, or all the platforms until the public, you know, showed their value because they'd get millions of followers. They're getting paid to do that, to keep their content going. And then they get the record deal or they get the agent or the manager, or they get an offer to be on this movie or they sell their, they sell their artwork, right? So much can come out of just putting yourself out there. That was not even possible before. And it's free. So artists should be using social media and, and the word marketing, sometimes that's another word that I think people go, well, if you market yourself, you're lowering your standard of art. But marketing for me just means telling the world, sharing with the world what your art is and what it's all about, right? If you, if you go back to the old fashioned way of, you know, I remember making photocopies of my pieces of music and snail mailing them to people. Can I send you some of my music and snail mailing it to people or handing it to them? Please consider performing my music. That's marketing. Wasn't very good marketing, but that's a form of marketing. And now we have the means to reach the whole world. Millions of people. We've got to take advantage of it. And really, if you think that you shouldn't be doing that, that is a lack mindset. We got to flip that to an abundant mindset of the world is out there and I want to share my art. You, the biggest thing you can do with this uh, social media marketing is to tell your story because your story is what the world needs to hear. Not imitating someone else, not trying to be like your favorite artist. You know, everybody has their, I have my favorite musicians, my favorite artist. I love Leonard Bernstein. I mean, I, there's so many bands that I love. There's actors that I love, there's dancers and choreography. But if I'm just trying to be like them, then that's not being me. And that's not being in integrity with myself, telling my story. And people are going to be bored with that. They're not going to, it's not going to work. We should be posting our art and we should also be showing how we create it every day. And I really think that showing how you create your art is some ways even more important than just posting, you know, a photo of yourself or a reel. Those are important. But, but I, I mean, you should be posting your rehearsals, your behind the scenes, you making your art, what it's like when it's not going well, what it's like when you actually do the performance and not just show the pretty picture of look at how great I am, but to show the whole picture, because that is really what people want now, right? With social media, we're just showing the greatness is not good enough. We want We want to know the documentary. Okay. And then if you don't share it, what's the point? <laughs> like, why are you creating art? If you're just going to hide it in the closet, keep it on your computer, never share it. I mean, you might do it as a hobby for yourself and there totally is a value in doing that. But of course I'm speaking to people who want to make money, want to do it professionally, whether it's a side hustle or you want to get to the point where you do it as your entire life's work and career. You have to share it. And by the way, if you do it as a hobby, I think you should share it anyway, because the world will benefit, right? The world needs art. Art is beauty. It's creating beauty. It's creating a shared experience. And this shared experience, we all want a piece of that. We can all relate to the breakup song, you know, the happy song, 
the the unrequited love, the painful trauma, right? That that art, the theme, these basic themes of art, the conflict, right? The world needs your art, your story. Don't hide away from what's going on inside you. Be vulnerable. This makes the world a better place because then we find we can share it. We can build a bridge and we find how similar we actually are. Instead of looking at our differences and having the conflict of our differences, when we share a piece of art, when we're all sitting in a theater watching that movie or we're doing live theater, we're at an opera, you know, we are watching a dancer move their body in ways we could never do. We are all lifted up by that experience. The world is a better place because we're lifted up through that shared experience in a community setting. So create it, you know, and going back to this marketing point, you guys, it's free. You can brand yourself for free. Posting your art lets the world know who you are as an artist and as a person, right? They want the insider view. They want the whole you as a person and what it takes to make that art. Don't shy away from it, right? And, you know, if you don't do it, then in a way you don't exist. I remember why I'm saying that is I remember a conversation when I was in grad school. I mean, this is the mid nineties, you guys, probably 96 or something like that. And I remember, you know, the beginning of the internet websites are coming out. And I remember people talking about, do you got, you have a website? I was a grad student. They're like, what's a website? <laughs> What is a website? And that's where you, you know, post all your work and you can tell people, you can put your biography there and show people what you're doing. And I was like, what the heck is that? You know? And it was such a new idea. And a lot of us were like putting that down. Like, you don't need to do that. We don't need that because we have all these other conventional ways of, you know, progressing our career. But the conversation, I remember this one person saying, look, if you don't have a website, you don't exist. And now it's not the website so much as social media platforms. Are you on Insta? Are you on TikTok? Are you on Facebook? Showing the world. You know, it used to be the web. Now we still use websites, but even websites have tra- transformed into, you know, your your sale page, you know, your landing page for what you're offering and how someone can buy what you're offering, right? If it's an online business or if you're selling your art online, it, you know, first it was just, here's my resume. Here's, here's what I've done. And now it's become, this is how you can work with me. This is who I am. This is what I do. These are all the people that have benefited from working with me. And this is how you can work with me. It's completely changed. And, you know, doing all of these things will lead you to more career opportunities. Now, I know some people are going, I don't know. I don't want to put myself out there. People are going to judge me and criticize me, put me down. It might actually hurt my career if someone sees my stuff and they think I'm not good enough. Well, that's just your own head telling you you're not good enough. That's not the other person telling you that. That is yourself giving you a reason to not do it. Because guess what? There are many people out there posting their content about their art, getting all sorts of career opportunities, either getting paid for doing it just because they're posting it, making sales off their art, getting deals, getting jobs, getting contracts. And so 
it will lead you to more career opportunities. So get out there and do it. Flip your thinking to abundance thinking and stop giving yourself all these excuses why you shouldn't be posting your art. Go post some right now after this podcast. And myth number three is the idea that making money off art is bad. This is another lack thinking. And let's just talk about money. Money is neither good nor bad in itself. It has no moral value. You can do good things with money. You can do bad things with money. What we do with money is what can be called good or bad, not the money itself, right? The money is just a tool to do things. And look at all the good things we do with money. You can feed the poor. You can build hospitals. You can create education, create technology. You know, you can create art. And art is intrinsically good, though. Now, I believe I believe in a creator, and I believe making art is cooperating with the creator and that we share in this creative process, and therefore our expression of ourselves is good, right? And good things should bring about, bring you money. We should be using money to create good things in this world. And so this notion that, you know, money makes things bad, I think is just comes from this lack mindset. It's the opposite. Money does good things in the world. That's what we should focus on. And, you know, art that we know and we love from the past and it's being created right now has always been funded by money, by patrons, by people who, who can donor and invest. And it takes that money to make the art and pay the artist. Just like the creation of the building or the starting of the business, you know, the starting of an educational institution, it all needs money to begin and to thrive. And so does art. And the creators of art need this money too. Just kind of step back for a second. Why did you get into music or art? What was that? What was that point for you? Did you just always do it? Or was there a certain moment where you're like, I got to do this? Was it because of money? Is that what motivated you? <clears throat> Probably not, right? Probably is because you just loved making the art. You felt good. It was playing, right? This process of how it felt, how it makes you feel, the discipline of it, the doing of it regularly, how you can start really badly doing this. And then as you go along, you get better and better and better and better. And this process is good. It's a good feeling to have an accomplishment starting from zero and then creating something, whether that's, you know, you being the creator of it or you participating as a musician, as a dancer, as a choreographer, you know, as a scriptwriter, as an actor, collaborating with others, this process, this ability to express yourself was probably the reason why you started. And then somewhere along the way, someone else told you, you heard it from someone else, either personally, or you heard it online, or you read some article, or you saw a movie, or you heard about someone else's story that didn't go well. Someone else told you essentially that you cannot make money off it, or it's going to be really hard. And so you stop. I've got a story to share with you of a, a really fabulous young musician who was, I was a mentor to 
who I hired um, and who was someone that I really tried to cultivate, you know, not only their musical ability, but tried to help them with their career path. And I mean, this person was an incredible performer before I even met them, but they were young. And so I was just trying to do my part to pay it forward, to shape them into, you know, into the career path. And this person was an incredible organist, an incredible pianist, winning competitions, you know, full ride to college because of their ability, making money. They got full tuition, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to a great university because of their ability. That's getting paid, right? Winning competitions, getting money for a competition, getting the notoriety, getting write-ups, articles being written about you. There's a lot of abundance there already. Free education because of your musical talent and commitment to the craft. And, you know, when it came time for their graduation, I was like, so now what are you going to do? You keep working for me. You're going to go, you know, be an entrepreneur, concertizing pianist, which this person totally could have done. I mean, this, this is an exceptional musical artist I'm talking about. Someone who stands out and could have 100%, you know, been on stage as a career performing all over the world, being a recording artist, being a concertizer, could have done anything that they wanted to do. And they said, now nah, I'm going to go to dentist school. I was like, really surprised. Okay, what's making you want to do that? You know, I'm kind of surprised here because I didn't know you were interested in that. You seem to, you know, everything seems to be pointing into a, a career as a musician. And they said, well... You know, I was talking to my dad and he was like, no, you can't be a musician. You really need to have a, you need to really have to have income. And so you should be a dentist because they make a lot of money. And of course I was, you know, my jaw dropped. And I mean, I've heard this story before, but I've never dealt with it so close up. <laughs> and of course the dad is being a protector. The dad is saying, you know, I'm looking out for you. I don't want you to struggle. I don't want you to starve. Right. I mean, it's coming from a good intention. Right. But of course, the right away, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what a lack mindset. I mean, this person has already made a lot of money because of their achievements as a student. Right. And the dad's discouraging it. And so, you know, in this person's culture, you really got to listen to what your parents say. And he just couldn't say no to his dad. I felt really sad about it. And, you know, I asked him, I like, are you happy doing that? And I'm like, well, I can always play on the side, you know, still ha always have that on the side. And I just kept kind of saying like, but are you going to be happy? He's like, well, you know, I, I, I want to make sure that I have income, make a living. And so I, he was just reiterating what had been told to him was he didn't think he could make the living and he was being told that. And so he just bought into it right there. And, you know, I tried to give some encouragement, but it didn't go very far. And maybe he'll be a great dentist and maybe he will be happy. But I could tell from that conversation that there was definite conflict in him at that time. That he wanted to be a musician, but he didn't want to have to worry about it. Like what it would take to be an entrepreneur as a musician and, you know, making sure you have work and do all the things. But 
when it became when he was thinking about being a dentist, he didn't think about the fact, well, you're going to set up an office and you're going to have to find clients and you're going to have to be good enough and you're going to have to get through school to get, you know, become the doctor. And he wasn't thinking about the problems that that career had, you know, it's not a hundred percent for sure, but for the music, he was definitely all of a sudden, all of the, the doubts and the fears and, oh, how hard it's going to be. And, you know, came into play. And this is from an exceptional musical artist. And it was really unfortunate. And, you know, I wish him the best and we do stay in touch and he does still play as a side, you know, hustle or just for fun. But I just want to share that story because this does not have to be everybody's story. And maybe there's someone listening today where you're at that pivot point of, do I want to keep doing my art? Do I want to keep doing my music? Am I struggling? And what am I going to do about it? And I'm just here to encourage you. You can be, you can overcome this thinking of lack. And here's three ways that I think you can overcome these myths. The first one is to let go of the myth and stop putting faith. And really that's what you're doing. You're putting faith in something that's not real. It's not real. Saying you can't do it isn't as it's, it's not real, right? You can do it and start believing that making money from creating art is good and it's what should happen. And it is real. And it's what makes the world a better place to live. Start creating an abundance mindset around the fact that you can create your art and make an abundant living doing it. Right? Flow into step two. Bring your value to the world with your art. The first thing you need to do to bring your value is to define what it is. What's your purpose in the creating this art? Get to know your identity and who you are. Why do you create this art? What's your mission? Who's your audience? Who do you want to serve? Focus on getting better skills, getting excellent at what you do, and then focus on serving others with your, this idea that serving others, if you focus on that, you have less time to think about yourself and whether or not you're going to do well, because you're thinking, what is, what do they need? What do I have to offer? And what do, what do people need? What do people want? And how can I fill that gap with my art? And then you start to post your art on social media. Start today, right after this podcast. Connect with other artists. People who might want to pay for you, what you have. What is your value? Connect with these people. And a huge way to connect is online. Start there. Start posting. Let the people know what you're all about. Focus on giving your audience and serving others with your art. And then number three, use the money that you have, that either you have from a different job or the money you're getting from creating your art to create more art. This is like business 101. When you're starting a business, you, if you're an entrepreneur, you you start to make money. You don't just to go spend it. You don't go buy the big car, buy the house right away. You use what you're earning to put it back in your business, to level it up, to expand it, to create more value, to create processes so you can do more, to have more business, right? So bringing it back to art, someone's going to pay for your art. Think about all the orchestras, the opera houses. Think about movies, how, how much money's put into that and the collaboration there, the concert halls that are all funded with the money of the donors and the business people 
the investors, figure out ways to create more art and then create the funding and posting it online. When you start using the money you make from your art and putting it back into your art, you begin to appreciate the value of that relationship between money and art. They need each other. So guys, I hope this helps today. Leave a comment. If you liked what you heard here today, leave me a five-star review. Would love that. Follow me for more. You can find me on Instagram and all the other platforms. And uh, thanks for listening and I'll see you next time. So, hey guys, if you like what you heard today, I got a lot of free content out on Instagram. You could follow me, join my music community at Dr. Stephen Van Y, also known as the Music Performance Coach. And I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook as well. So I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to DM me your thoughts, make your comments here. I would love to hear from you. Uh, If you could give me a five-star review, that would get this podcast seen and heard to more people, which means I get to help more people. Thanks for listening today and let's go make some music.